Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. Wait, I'm Manny. <gasps> Manny. Manny. <laughs> yeah. Manny. Who's Manny? New podcast, who dis? Oh, yeah. This is Manny <laughs> with Feliz Christmas, Merry Navidad. Manny with a great hey. accent. We're so happy to have you, Manny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Not only because you have an awesome podcast, but because we have to bring you on so we pronounce it, so we so we say the correct title of it. (laughs) Oh, during my recordings, I botch it way too many times too. So (laughs) (laughs) isn't it crazy how much the Christmas podcast world has grown in a few years? It went from like a group of like five or six and now it's like up to like forty. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. it. Awesome. There's a lot of and, good people. And in everybody, the world. yeah, and everybody has something different. And mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't notice that towards the beginning. I, I thought, you know, when I saw a bunch of podcasts, I'm like, mm. but when I start listening to everything, oh my gosh, yep, there's enough material there to get you through the whole year. <laughs> speaking yes. of, uh, speaking of everybody having something different, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, Merry Navidad Feliz Christmas? Did I get it right? Nope. I listen to you and I still don't get it right. Okay. Why don't you tell us about your podcast? Let our listeners know who you are, what you do and why they should add you to their podcast feed. Like you said, and I said, I'm Manny and my podcast is Feliz Christmas, Merry Navidad. It's a bilingual, multilingual Christmas podcast. What I'm going to focus on there is just get as much Christmas information from all over the world, people around me, things that surround me. Um, from every single corner, it doesn't matter what language it is. So pretty soon you're going to be hearing one of these episodes. It's going to be full Spanish with no translation, just like the English or no translation to Spanish. And awesome. yep, some other languages too. So there might be some podcasts that I have no idea what they're saying. Hopefully it's Christmassy too. So That's so cool. That is so cool. It's a needed area, I think. Because I'll say you contributed to our um kind of Christmas around the world, traditions around the world. And yours was fascinating. My husband and I still talk about it. Actually, you came up today because I had mentioned you were going to be on tonight co-hosting with us. And I was like, it's Manny with the great accent. And he's like, wasn't he the one that talked about like putting grass out for Three Kings Day and all of that? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just that was one of my favorite ones. That was so, so cool. So I'm so glad you're here tonight. It was cool. I like listening, and I, and I, I like listening to your accent. I'm not going to lie. I hope that's not culturally insensitive to say, but it's Man- very nice. 
Manny, just so you know, they've said this to every listener we've had on so far. We just cut it out. I'm joking. <laughs> I haven't said that to We haven't had a single listener with an accent. And I could change my accent, too. I adapt. Can you? <laughs> yep. Do Tulsa. I have to be hearing it for quite a while, like the type of accent. So a few sentences in, I have to go in. But no, I'm not going to go into impersonations right now. You Do, need New York. <laughs> Do New York. No, no impersonations today. That'll be, be like half of my family if I do the the, the New York one. So, no. forget about it. Cuss, cuss, cuss. Angry Anthony. Forget about it. Hot uh, garbage. Hot garbage. Tom, you're the worst. People love Angry Anthony. Not to mention Tom. Somebody named me the funniest elf today. I took that from you. Listener Brian Ence, thank you. You have anything to say? This to leads us into our perfect time for our PSA kids. Drugs are bad. <laughs> How was your week? It hasn't felt like a week. It's felt like it's... three weeks. It's been I, a week. I hear you, my friend. The weather's nicer, though, in Tulsa. Throw a bone there. It's a little cooler outside. I'm not going to complain. Here, too. Like to the today. point, heat has to go on. It's in the high 30s, early 40s here the past few days. Oh, my goodness. It's been lovely. Sounds amazing. Where Um, are you located, Manny? I'm right now in Dawsonville, Georgia. I'm just an hour away from Atlanta. I'm, you know, pretty close to everything, but in a, you know, quiet place with everything close to it. That's my favorite kind of place. Did y'all get hit with the the hurricane flood? Uh, No, it was a little bit down south, but, you know, from where I work in here, it was just a lot of rain. So I did get a few hours more sleep than I usually would get during the week. That's nice. Nice. My weekend was terrible, y'all. Oh, what happened? We had another house flood. Our air conditioner in our upstairs froze up, I guess. And Christine uh, turned the air down so the ice condensed more uh, and it melted. And so we have water running down our wall of our master bedroom and like four ah. shots in our ceiling. Last time it happened, we paid some about some uh, a water mitigation company a bunch of money to come turn on fans and use a little moisture meter for like mm-hmm. a week. So we just went and bought blower fans and fans. a moisture meter. And I ripped up carpet and uh, emptied our attic. So all of our Christmas stuff, where uh, a sizable portion of our Christmas stuff came in a little early. And uh, we're going to see what happens over the next two weeks. I mean, it's a good time to decorate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As good a time as any. That stinks. I'm sorry, Tom. My week has been long, and it is only Tuesday. Work is the same. Uh, I went to Philly over the weekend, which is kind of nice. Yeah, uh, you posted some cool pictures when you're on yeah, Philly media. from New York. How how long was the? Did you take the train? I'm assuming. No, I drove. It was two hours. Yeah. That was nice. It was pretty interesting. It wasn't too crowded. Kind of depressed over RBG's death. I don't just mentioning that because she's a pop culture icon as much as a politician. So that kind of overshadowed the trip a bit and is still weighing on my mind. It caused Christine's store to go pretty crazy online, like super Uh, crazy amount of sales. I could imagine on that. RBG stuff. Well, I did see the first Christmas commercial on TV today, like an hour ago. What? What Who was was it? It It was for the Salvation Army about, you know, helping people around Christmas. That was Christmas theme. I haven't seen that one. I've seen uh, Disney World's Christmas commercials have been out. 
And then oh, I, yeah, saw... I, did, I have seen those too, actually. So I lie, but yeah. this is my first. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited. I am too. It's all happening. How was it's your week, happening. Well, my week has been very long. And like Anthony said, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> it's only Tuesday. <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted to hear y'all. I mean, I, mean, I was it's... hoping y'all had better weeks than we did, than, than I had. Well, this fits my week. I'll, I'll give you guys that much. So, because I still haven't finished your last episode, because I stretch it you know, <laughs> for my in my work commute. I actually stretch it since I get so many phone calls. So now being on here now makes me more eager. You know, eager to to hear next week. I mean, I'll cut myself out. You know, fast forward, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a nice change from having Jerry on the show trying to usurp my position. Although I did join Totally Rad Christmas yesterday, actually. Again. Last minute, la, la, yeah, again, la, totally last minute. He had like an hour beforehand. He was like, hey, want to hop on? I'm talking to Rankin Bass's biographer. So I was like, yeah, I'll hop on. And that was awesome. Cool. That episode drops December 1st. So shout out to Jerry Davila of Totally Rad Christmas, even though he has tried repeatedly to steal my third of the show. Holy for me. <laughs> I don't know if he's tried so much as I've tried for him too. That's also true. That's accurate. Yeah. I did just listen to an episode of Jerry's podcast with you on it. I don't Christmas want to Hollis? Your... No, you know it's not Christmas and Hollis. Lois and Clark. It was the new adventures of new adventures of uh or the adventures of Lois and Clark. That was a fun episode. That was a good episode. That was a really good episode. Got me Although... thinking a lot about Dean Kane. Oh man, poor guy. Oh. What happened to him? What happened to him? I don't know. He was kind of on top of the world with that episode. He and Terry Hatcher were just amazing. They were. <laughs> I still can't believe George and Weezy were the villains in one of those Christmas episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I just was just listening to y'all, so that's on my list of things to go watch. <laughs> like George and Weezy. I do have to ask Manny, because this is their first time on the show. What is your favorite Christmas movie? The Santa Claus. It's an acceptable answer. Really, really close by falls Christmas Vacation. Also, also but the Santa Claus, answer. just because, like I've always expressed, you know, I have to have Santa in my Christmas. Oh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I get it. See, so Anthony asks that differently than I do. I would ask it, "What is your favorite Christmas movie, and why is it Elf?" Is how I would ask it. <laughs> I like to give people an actual chance to express their opinions, Manny. <laughs> uh, I do have another question for you. What do you think of Christmas and Hollis? <sighs> Dot, dot, oh, dot. shaking your head. No. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, oh, man. That's that's a disappointment. You and Jerry fall you know in what? Same Where's the you next what? question button? <laughs> Feliz Christmas. <laughs> Mary Navidad is my favorite Christmas podcast out there. <laughs> and one more question for you, Manny. Who's your favorite elf? Stop asking that question. <laughs> well, I'm going to say Julia. Everyone says Julia. Well, I'm not paying you that 10 bucks I offered earlier now. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Zelle transfer, so nothing. So I said Julia. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> Speaking of paying people money, tonight we are covering the 2004 Christmas romantic comedy film, Surviving Christmas. So quick... This is billed as a romantic comedy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. So, quick plot synopsis before we get to Tom's snarky synopsis and our histories. A wealthy executive, Drew Latham, has no close relationships and becomes nostalgic for his childhood home as Christmas approaches. 
When he visits a house and finds another family living there, he offers the residents, Tom Falco and his wife, Christine, a large sum of money to pretend they are his parents. Soon, Drew tests the couple's patience, and when their daughter, Alicia, arrives, things get increasingly tense. I've got words about this, but we'll just do a plot synopsis first. Some rando dude with way more money than common sense shows up at a stranger's house telling them he used to live there. For whatever reason, with no nothing to back it up, they decide to believe that he's going to pay them a quarter of a million dollars to spend Christmas with their very dysfunctional, on the brink of split family for Christmas. As we go through this, we see what it is like for a grown man to have a nervous or to have a mental breakdown in front of complete strangers. As we watch one ridiculous setup melt into another, to the point that I felt nauseous. Uh, half of this film and now i'm gonna go into my rant wait i do want to correct one thing about your synopsis just one thing you said they had no reason to believe him in fairness he did bring a lawyer and they got not when they not when he said not when he said welcome home son and let him come in yeah but he didn't officially that was then the next step was a lawyer i'm sorry some dude was a lawyer I'm sorry, dude. Some guy is on your front porch burning something and looking into your house and saying, I want to give you lots of money to stay here. I'm not something. It was a piece of paper. But anyway. It was was enough for him to make multiple comments about the guy burning down his house, and he hit him (laughs) over the head with a shovel. That is true. There was enough room for concern here. Okay. True. So, Tom, why don't you lead us off? Because it seems like you wanted to go into your rant. What is your history with this film? If Anthony Caruso were a film... He would be surviving Christmas. Oh, Thomas. (laughs) This movie just goes on and on endlessly with drivel and droll. Every attempt at comedy falls flat on its face with the occasional slight chuckle. There's no point to anything that happens here. At no point do I feel sympathetic to the menagerie of of characters that are thrown up on my screen. Nobody is believable. Nobody is likable. I don't feel sorry for anybody for the situation they're in. I don't want anybody to win. I don't want- Are you sure you didn't stare in the mirror for 90 minutes? Again, if this film were a person, it would be Anthony Caruso. There is not one redeemable character anywhere. I don't know how you take a, a movie with such beautiful scenery, with such great music behind it, and make it feel so un-Christmassy. There is nothing redemptive or holiday season about this movie other than what I'm looking at. I'm all for a dysfunctional family, you all know it, but this dysfunctional family was so contrived and over the top. There's not a believable person here. Not even kid obsessed with watching mom and porn clips. I mean, nothing. I can't, I mean, I can honestly say in any situation, I would feel bad for a child who sees his mother in compromising pornographic you know setting except this kid i feel like he deserves it for whatever reason i don't know i just feel like the kid deserved it and the mom deserved it and the dad deserved it these are awful horrible human beings every single one of them and they're such caricatures of who they're supposed to be it's lazy writing lazy directing lazy acting i expect more out of these people when you have people like ben affleck james gandolfini uh christina applegate and moira I expect way more. I really, really do. I don't think any of them would have had to try to, to, to give me a character that I could have liked if they'd been given the right script. This was 
awful, awful, awful. And I swore when I saw this in 2004, I would never watch it again. And somehow I've gotten myself into a situation where I, for whatever reason, about half of the year, it appears, I spend a week watching something I can't stand. Anthony said, Ernest made him question why he's doing the podcast. This movie made me question why I was doing the podcast. Had I had any sense, I would have just watched the IMDb I would have just read the IMDb plot synopsis and cheated on this episode. I don't feel like I owe anybody anything that would constitute me doing this to myself. Listeners, if you have not watched this movie, do not do it. <laughs> don't discourage them from doing their homework. I'm, I'm going to say this. Now that Tom has finished that totally unhinged rant, you want to oh, talk about... Uh, you clocked wanna, in less than yours. I was about to say, you want to talk about... An, you want to talk about a nervous breakdown? Clearly, Tom can't stand the fact one of the one of our listeners found me funnier, and all the listeners loved my rant because he had to try to one up me tonight and failed. I'm not trying to one up <laughs> you. I'm not going as long as you. This movie, I have. That's not, what she said. I have not watched anything that has made me this angry since probably. Yeah, I'm trying to think back what it could have been. Better watch uh, out. No, this is worse. There, I hate this movie. I hate it. Ellie wouldn't watch it. Christine asked me why I was wasting time doing this. Asked me why I was why I'm doing a podcast where I have to watch crap like this, and I could not give her a good answer. My family hated this movie, and I'm sorry. The the, the sheer ridiculousness of what happens throughout this film. Oh, let let's go through it. Let's get into it more. My history. I watched this crap in 2004, and for whatever reason, I thought it was a good idea to try it again. Did you put this on the schedule? Probably. <laughs> did Manny <laughs> Manny I am uh, so sorry normally we have guests go first here but Tom usually usurps Julia when we try to do ladies first so guest next that's not true and I made that joke 37 times I right. think you're funny for rehashing my jokes come on now <laughs> <laughs> you're such a <laughs> I, I love you, Tom. Really did you hear the? Did you? Did you hear the? Did you listen to the end of this week's episode, Anthony? I, I did. <laughs> did, you, did you, Julia? No, I haven't gotten to it yet. I just, I just put in there, Anthony apologizing to me, telling he loves me randomly out of nowhere. <laughs> I do. I do. I do love you. I really I know, do. I have, this is fun. This is fun. We are. We are. We have become caricatures of ourselves. Speaking of that, as hosts for this <laughs> podcast, because we are way nicer to each other throughout the week. If people could see our private uh, Discord channel for the uh, for the podcast, they'd wonder who those nut jobs they listen to every week are. Nope. Manny, yeah. how about you? What's your history and overall thoughts about this film? All right. I've been trying to finish watching this movie for years. And since, you know, it was short notice, woohoo, I watched it all today. It took me two beers to actually finish the last 35 <laughs> minutes. There's a few line here and there that I like. You know, just because I was already watching it, so, but no. Like I like I said today when you guys said that this was the movie for this week, no. It's a horrible movie. It's a very, very horrible movie. <laughs> I invited you to come on as a joke thinking nobody would want to come on for this movie. Um, also, I propose we change your rating system again. I like Anthony, I like uh, Manny's system of how many drinks of alcohol it takes to get <laughs> <laughs> oh man julia history and a world um i had never seen this um i kind of vaguely remember maybe seeing trailers for it probably but nothing about it appealed to me in trailer form so 
I never went to see it. Watched it today. Will not watch it again, ever. I'm with you. I've never seen it. It was one. Well, that's so funny. That surprises me. No, never seen it. All I knew was its reputation, which is a bad one, and that this happened during Ben Affleck's dark years before he became a serious actor and director. You know, this is still when he was doing Gigli and all these other movies that got bombed, <laughs> bombed uh, back in 2004. I mean, I see it on TV every year. It's usually played on TNT with uh, Deck the Halls and Christmas at the Cranks. It's usually those three they play. And uh, because I think, because I think, whoever as as part of their atonement to the to the production company for these films, those involved have to pay money to get them shown. And so I've always associated it with those two movies. And just out of curiosity, I look them up. They all are within one percentage point of one another on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Christmas at the Cranks is the lowest, actually. With a fi- Cranks is way better than those other two. W- with a five, Deck the Halls has a six, and Surviving Christmas has a seven. So I noticed on Voodoo it has four stars out of five. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, the first time I watched this was today on my lunch break. I liked it. <laughs> it's awful. It's an awful movie, but I, I actually liked it a lot better than Christmas at the Cranks and Deck the Halls. A lot really? Better. Yep. Can you believe but that guy in- actually played Batman in the future? Well, <laughs> let's let's get into this cast. So, starring as our protagonist, Drew Latham is Ben Affleck. Unless you've been un- living under a rock for the past few decades, everyone knows who Ben Affleck is. He has two Academy Awards, three Golden Globes. He's been in a bunch of Kevin Smith films, including Mallrats, Chasing Ayumi, and Dogma. He was in Dazed and Confused, Armageddon, Goodwill Hunting, The Sum of All Fears, The Town. <laughs> so he filmed this movie the same year he did Daredevil and Gigli. You want to talk about a triple... <laughs> triple failure at the box office there he he was in the town i love the town i like that movie argo uh, was pretty darn good argo, argo was, was really good. great gone uh, girl made me feel terribly uncomfortable through the whole thing even after i read the book because i read the book even after i read the book it made me so oh. uncomfortable Ooh. just there's something different though about reading it and then seeing somebody going through this i don't know it was painful to watch well, yeah, reading it made me not want to see it. He did great I with it, though. I loved that book. And I think I've said this like 37 times on this. This is my favorite Batman. Yep, he played you Bruce Wayne in Batman and Batman v Superman and Justice League and the upcoming Flash movie. And, and the uh, upcoming Jack Zack Snyder's Justice League TV miniseries. Yes. That's true. I don't, I don't know what I think about that, though, yo. I don't know what I think about that. I'm glad he's getting a chance to finish his vision. Yeah, we'll see. Say, so, what are your opinions? People have seemed to have. Ben Affleck seems to be one of these actors that people have strong opinions of. They either re- like him or hate him. So, where do you fall on that scale? And what's your favorite? I love Ben Affleck. Big Ben Affleck fan. Big Matt Damon fan. They go hand in hand. Over the years, I just I have a hard time picking a favorite because he does so many different things so incredibly well, right? I mean, he does all of this the Kevin Smith movies, which are just ridiculous and awesome at the same time. Did you guys see his? Uh, I think it's his last movie, The Way Back. Is that the no, basketball I'm, one? Where yes, a coach? I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Is yeah. it good? Yes, very good. Well, it to is me, good. it's very good. It is very I mean, good. It's a, it's Argo a sports, was amazing. I love sports movies. Me too. So it was definitely my sports drama. And I also like the fact that he's so universal. He is a director, actor, writer, producer. He does it all. What's your favorite, Julia? So I'm not in a I really love him or I really hate him. I'm kind of middle of the line. Whereas with Matt Damon, I love Matt Damon. I love him. But with Ben Affleck, I mean, he's done some amazing movies that I really quite like. So my favorite, favorite Ben Affleck's probably The Town. Anytime he plays legit, 
Boston character, I'm totally fine with and great. And for some reason, Can you pronounce that correctly, please. Baston. Baston. My khakis. Alfred, where are my khakis? <laughs> Uh, the town is by far my favorite Ben Affleck in terms of acting. I kind of fall on the Matt Damon scale with him as an actor. I don't really like him as an actor. I thought he made a good Bruce Wayne and Batman, and I love the town, but I really like him for his directing. He has directed some excellent movies. He is an artist behind the camera, but he's one of these actors, like kind of like Tom Cruise, where I only see Ben Affleck 90% of the time and not the character he's playing. And especially his early stuff, I think it prejudiced me against him, just like Matt Damon. And as far as I'm concerned, pish posh to both of them. But we've been over that. Dare you. He does a, I'll say, he plays a good douchebaggy role. It's his specialty. It's his specialty. So for sake of being crucified again, I'm going to bring up a Family Guy reference. Do you know the Family Guy reference where they were... Where, uh, writing Damon, Goodwill Hunting? We're writing Goodwill Hunting. And Matt Damon doing all the work. And Ben Affleck comes in. He's like, come on, man. Just put my name on it. He's like over there smoking, smoking weed the whole time and gets his name thrown on there because Ben Affleck's his friend. Yeah. Wait a second. Ben Affleck is directing a movie, Ghost Army. Okay. Like one of my favorite World War II stories ever. The Ghost Army in World War II. I'm super excited about this now. Yeah. I'm massively jazzed. He's an excellent director, so I would be excited if I were <laughs> well, I want to see that story told because Bill Blast was in that troupe and a whole bunch of artists and designers and stuff were the ones that devised that plan, help help bring about and make that plan successful. That's what I like about Argo, right? The fake movie to get the hostages yeah. out. Yeah, I like things it was, like that. He did a great job. He did. I would have to stick to just Batman, but especially the his scene at the end of Suicide Squad. Ooh, with Amanda Waller. Yes. Yeah, I love that one. Is he your I, Batman? Yes. Just out of curiosity, yes. he is. Okay. Nice. Playing Tom Falco, uh, Drew's fake father in this is James Gandolfini, best known for his role as Tony Soprano on The Sopranos, which was one of HBO's first original shows that really made them a network. But besides that, he starred in True Romance, Crimson Tide, The Last Castle, Taking a Pelham 123, Where the Wild Things Are, Get Shorty. Oh, Enough he said. was amazing voicing. He was an amazing voice actor in Where the Wild Things Are. I love James Gandolfini. He's a New York, New Jersey boy. He was big around here. You'd see him at Italian restaurants eating. They lowered the flags to half staff when he died around here. He was a big deal in this area. Very sad when he died so young at 51. I love James Gandolfini, but my favorite would be Tony Soprano and uh, TV Guide and Entertainment Weekly. And a lot of showrunners have said without Tony, because he was really TV's first anti-hero who you actually like, there would be no Vic Mackey on The Shield, no Al on Deadwood, no Don Draper, no Dr. House, no Walter nope. White. Like Breaking Bad, yeah. Yeah, he was the one who kind of set what those characters could be by playing this sympathetic bad guy essentially and he shows up in this movie and he is in this movie can't win them all favorite james gandolfini manny sopranos so good on that show tom this i will not <laughs> accept come on i will not there's accept only any one james answer. gandolfini hate there's only one there's only one answer to that question there is only one answer <laughs> julia i've never seen the sopranos so i don't i don't have that one answer and so i don't really have a favorite james gandolfini 
playing Alicia Valco, Tom's daughter, is Christina Applegate. And we've covered her on the show before when we did Friends Thanksgiving episodes as Rachel's sister. So we won't, through, we won't run through her credits again, but I love her. And A Bad Mom's Christmas. Well, she had a cameo in that. She was a main she character did. We talked the about first her there, Bad Mom. Yep. yep. Playing Tom's wife, Christine. Oh, that's funny. Tom and Christine. How funny is that? I was really hoping we were going to go through the whole episode without anybody making that connection. <laughs> I really was. I didn't make it at all when watching it. I was just looking at them on the page and made the connection. Playing Christine, Tom's wife, is another alum of this podcast, Christine O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara, who, who we've covered ad nauseum Multiple at this times. point. So not going to yep. run through her credits. Playing Tom's son, Brian Falco, is Josh Zuckerman. And he's been on Desperate Housewives, Kyle XY. I used to love that show on ABC Family. And the 90210 reboot. Austin Powers. Irrelevant. I hate those movies so much. You, you can't just give it you can't just give them the good though, man. You gotta you gotta Playing Missy Van Glider, Drew's girlfriend, is Jennifer Morrison. Covered We've covered on the show before. She was Dr. Cameron on House, so not gonna review yep. her credits again. And the only other person I'll mention is Duda Saul, played by Bill Macy. Duda one. Duda, Duda one. We have to differentiate. And uh, he was best known for his role on Maud. Oh, okay. He was in The Holiday? What? So we've covered him too. He was also in The Jerk with Steve Martin, one of the. I'll be Arthur. All right. This movie starts out with Drew. <laughs> Wait, can we go back first? The intro was fun. They had, I love the, I their love tight, the intro. Their tight font choice, their font choice for the intro, the busting out with Mr. Christmas himself, Andy Williams from the get-go was awesome. And I love how we go from this juxtaposition or this uh, uh, from everything being real Christmassy, the scenes of the iconic, beautiful scenes of Chicago at Christmas that everybody thinks of when they think of Christmas to um, you know grandma a lady putting make, her head in the oven grandma making sad gingerbread men and putting her head in the oven with the gas on well I, I, or, it, went, it went from this whole big happy Christmassy thing to showing the stresses of Christmas because you saw the one guy getting fed up with the wrapping gifts and then grandma puts her <laughs> in the oven that was painful y'all that, that guy wrapping those gifts I'm like at some point man just buy a gift bag dude <laughs> at some point just pay the people at the mall like give them the donation of a dollar and have them wrap it for you so after this opening montage we get drew uh he's a big shot advertising guy everyone's leaving time for the holidays and he bought his girlfriend missy first class Whoa, tickets we skipped his his pitch so we get an so we get the the idea of what Christmas oh. is, of what his idea of Christmas is, shoved down our throats from the very first scene, very unnecessarily, with nothing to add to the greater to the greater story here at hand. We open him up with him talking about, you know, oh, we pulled all of these people, and everybody thinks Christmas is about family. Well, that was a waste of money pulling those people. We also think, you know, people need alcohol to get through the holidays. So the only way they're going to get through the holidays is with your reduced fat spiked eggnog to this eggnog guy. And he doesn't do a good job of acting because there's no point during this pitch where you see him come over and agree with them, right? Throughout the pitch, he's like, I just, he, he's not on board with this idea. And then somehow we go to a cutaway and they're all leaving. The guy loves him, but 
even when he tells him the the line that's supposed to to win him over, the guy's face doesn't react well. Am I wrong? Like, no, it doesn't. I expected him to be like, oh yeah, you know, like sleazy right. marketing guy appeals to sleazy market exec. But it didn't oh. seem that way. It didn't seem like he agreed, and then all of a sudden, like, it seems like they're agreeing. Right. So everyone goes their separate ways for Christmas, and Drew surprises his girlfriend Missy with first class tickets to Fiji, and she's upset because she's kind of horrified. He doesn't want to spend Christmas with his family or her family. And he, she thinks because of that and because she's never even met his family, that means they're not going to be serious. And she essentially dumps him. She does dump him, which leads him to send a bracelet, which will come back later <laughs> through his assistant to her for Christmas. But then we get, that's, that's not believable at all. They've been together for a while. We're assuming here this isn't a new relationship. They're really, they seem invested in one another. And all at once, she just decides this. I mean, the whole, it's just not believable. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's like they would have, they would have had these kind of conversations before. I don't know why all of a sudden on this random day, she decides, oh no, our entire relationship is going to fail. He's not gonna let me go. <laughs> I'm gonna counter you and say it's not unbelievable because tons of people get to a point in their relationship and realize having thought somebody would change and they haven't, or finally learning something and not it's not gonna work out and then break up years later. I get it, but just at this point, everything accumulating into this this big thing. I don't. It just did not feel believable. Part of it could have been the actress and been out. I think, I think, no I think the way no Jennifer Morrison, her character was my least favorite in this movie. She was like, that's saying something. So that's saying something. Her, her character is way like, which is weird because she was really great on House and How I Met Your Mother. She was. She was. And she's Once a Upon a Time. Actress. Oh, she was awesome in Once Upon a Time. But I mean, her character, everything is smoothed over when she gets a present. It's, I feel like it's the dog from. I mean, uh, they established you know? that she was that Richie Rich shallow type. So that made sense to me. It's still but contrived. We get this really pathetic scene if we want to see how sad and pathetic Drew actually is, where he calls all of his business associates to see what they're doing for Christmas <laughs> to try to get someone to go to Fiji with him. And this just made me, it was pathetic. It did not make me feel bad for him. It made me think this guy needed help. It kind of reminded me of when Michael was going through his Rolodex on the office to find someone to go to Jamaica with him and finally called Jan and fell back into that toxic relationship. But so, even that, like, there was still more character development in Michael Scott to where that felt like something he would do. Oh, I'm not I saying, feel like, more like Ben yeah. Affleck. I feel more like Ben Affleck would have been the kind of guy to guilt one of his employees into going with him, right? That would have made more yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Rather than oh. calling people and uh, people who didn't even remember who he was. That was that was weird. So yeah. instead he tracks down her therapist at the airport who tells An unbelievable him to, therapist. to list all of his grievances on a piece of paper, go to his childhood home and burn them. Now make him feel better. And say, I forgive you. So he decides to do that it. scene was horrible right there. <laughs> and what's going on while we're talking about the scene, what is going on with, with TSA? How do they let a child do the x-ray scanner on the conveyor belt? That wasn't funny to me. It was funny that the you know the therapist had his own issues. <laughs> I mean, most therapists do. <laughs> yeah, maybe that amount in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jude decides to take his advice. It goes to his childhood home, which is now occupied by the Valco family. And they have their own issues going on. Tom and Christine, we don't know at this point, but their marriage is on the rocks. And Brian is a... Uh... That, feels, that feels really weird to hear somebody say. I'm just going to tell you all that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian spends all of his time in his room. Studying. Uh, studying. Yeah. 
and they have a grown daughter who lives away, who's coming home for these holidays. So we, also we don't, don't know, know about. about. We don't know point. yet. We do not know yet. Correct. Because that causes an issue later on. A bit. So Drew lights his thing on fire, lists, lights his list on fire, saying, I forgive you. And as he's doing this, they're watching him through the window. And Tom Valco, played by James Gandolfini, basically what I'm going to be like a middle-aged, just an angry Northeasterner who is just going to take a shovel and beat the crap out of everyone trespassing on my property, which is what he does. He goes outside and whacks him with the shovel and knocks him out. Let's talk, let's talk about this cab driver who's been paid to keep the meter running. He sees this, this attempted murder and just drives away like nothing happened. That's what you do in New Jersey when there's a known mob boss going around. That's what you do. Speak from experience. I have to stay silent on that one. I don't know who this is. You really believe that out there in New Jersey somewhere, a mob boss is sitting around listening to Tiz the Podcast and other Christmas podcasts in between ordering hits on people? <laughs> I know. Hey, rat. shut up, shut up, Jimmy the Snitch. Shut up. I've, I've got to listen to this episode. I got to listen to this episode. I'm no rat either way, Tom. I'm no rat. <laughs> anyway, Drew wakes up at the house and he's so happy to be in this new house. He says it hasn't changed anything. So he offers the Falco family $250,000 to spend the holidays with him and pretend to be his family. And immediately, Tom accepts. Yeah, like, no hesitation. I mean, that's a lot of money for a few days. A lot of money. Somebody's dangling a quarter of a million dollars for four days with your family. Who's not going to sell out? Uh, I I would do the same thing. I would say, come here, son. I would do the same exact thing. Right, right. And whose wife is going to say, how could you do this without talking to me? It's like $250,000, which might we mention later becomes, what, $350,000 at the end of the day? Yeah. So they get a lawyer. And draw up a legal contract. So the next day, they go out to buy a family tree together because that's what Drew wants to do. And he tells his father he has to wear a Santa hat. And of course, you know, Tony Soprano Light here doesn't want to because it's embarrassing. He doesn't, he's not going to wear it in public. So he basically threatens him with, you know, invalidating the contract if he doesn't. So he puts it on. They get the tree, blah, blah, blah. They go home. They decorate it beautifully. I actually really like the look of the tree. I did. I love bright trees. Really bright trees. It felt you like know, a tree really... he would have had in his childhood. Yeah. I thought it felt like the, the tree was something you would see in Mexico. Not like in the resort places, but, you know, among the commoners. It was just so colorful and vulgar. That's your favorite quote in the movie? No. It's not <laughs> something one human being would say to another. Have you hung out around rich people? Rich white people? These are people that they'd be trying to make a good impression with. They believe that, you know, their daughter and the, these people's son are going to be together. I don't know. I guess there probably are people that who lack that even that basic self-awareness, oh, especially from this part of the country. Yeah, Chicago. Absolutely. Nice try. Are they in Chicago? Mm-hmm. They're in yeah. Chicago. They're not in New York. But I appreciate I know, the effort, my friend. I appreciate every, the effort. That's why everything felt so Christmassy, though. <laughs> that's where right? you say, how many songs are there about Christmas in Chicago? I'm giving you, like, a way out here. How many Christmas songs are there about sugar Christmas in Chicago? And at that point, I have to sit here silently and feel as though I've been properly chastised. And that just happened. So don't say, I, don't say I've never I've never done anything nice for you, Anthony. Anyway, right when they're about to light this tree, the doorbell rings. Drew is upset their moment has been ruined. He goes to answer it, and Christina Applegate is there. And she's the daughter. And he is flabbergasted. He's like, 
he turns to the parents and are like, did you know about this? Like they didn't know they <laughs> had a daughter. <laughs> and uh, immediately Alicia is freaked out by this whole thing. This grown man in her house mm. paying her family <laughs> to be, pretend to be his parents. Understandably so. Drew comes up with a part for her. He says, you can play the, the Colombian oh maid or the maid. Swedish maid, if that's better for you. I'm not. He actually writes a script for them to read at the dinner table. Super weird. <laughs> Super weird. Like, okay, if you, let's say for a moment in real life, somebody goes along this far, the minute they give you a script and sit you down at the tender table and have you read this thing, and you see how emotionally stunted this person is, my first thought is, I'm going to get killed here. (laughs) This is going to turn into Texas Chainsaw Massacre level weirdness at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. I need to call the cops. Because not only is he calling them mom and dad, and he has his mother's father who he called Duda come in he hired an actor to play this old man so this family let's be honest they are not the kind of people to leave their front door unlocked in chicago this guy just comes waltzing in to the i no weird thing to have a problem with i know but that was still just weird so the next day drew takes alicia and brian sledding and it turns into this kind of like game of chicken between him and alicia right because she decides to go because she doesn't really think Drew wants to go because she thinks he's scared. And the two of them go down the hill and fall on top of one another, almost kiss until she sneezes in his face. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. We're missing how outlandish this is. They go to this breakneck hill that's supposed to be this daring place that all the kids go to. And it's like, what, six feet high hill at like, a, what, what's that, like a 25 to 45 degree angle that you get going maybe three miles an hour. And so out of nowhere, mm-hmm. he mas- musters up a helicopter that takes him to the top of a mountain with a wooden toboggan. And somehow he convinces Alicia to get on. Really bad CGI of this scene, by the way, on top of that. Really bad. And as they're going down and they're going through, basically through a a pine forest, they somehow survive until they, you know, go off of a slight embankment. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you as outlandish, but that you literally described the exact scenario of Christmas vacation where he goes down that hill through a pine forest (laughs) and over something. And I love it. But they did it better there. This one. Yeah, I thought about that too, but for some reason it was intolerable here and it was awesome. I thought this one was more realistic than Clark. I can't stand that scene in Christmas vacation. That's the one scene in Christmas vacation that and the Pledge of Allegiance at the end, I'll use the skip button during. I can't stand this. Um, Bingo. Yeah, this is just ridiculous. So she sneezes in his face when they crash at the bottom. And for some reason, this gets them really flirty because they're in bed together when they go home eating soup and cuddling. Yeah, they're sick inexplicably from cold weather, which isn't how that works. But For like 20 minutes, y'all. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a very fast-moving bud. So this is where Alicia opens up to Drew a bit about her childhood, and there's this old mm-hmm. tree covered in ice, coated in ice during a snowstorm, and she loved it, and it's beautiful. It's one of her favorite memories, and Drew files that away for later, as we'll see. This is when Tom takes Drew aside and says, he's got to leave because he's planning on divorcing Christine. That's true. <laughs> and drew like the way he reacts you would think they're actually his parents he's like what why it's not my fault is it (laughs) and he uh delusional he he says you know what you guys need to indulge yourself which leads to tom buying a new car the car he had when he was in high school and Mm -hmm. christine going to a photographer for some glamour shots 
which end up on the internet later on. Drew and Alicia start to become chummy and go on a winter walk where Drew takes her to this old tree from her childhood, which is once again covered in ice. Except he goes over the top this time. Because he has hired a, uh, what, like a full band, like a full pageant to perform at this tree? Oh my gosh, he's got a nativity, he has a choir, he has dancing angels. There's a very weird statue of her. It's, yes. It's it's just so weird. Nothing tells a girl you just met that you're into her like a random statue outside. So That's how Christina and I got married. (laughs) Where did you put that statue? I would love to see that statue. Can you post a picture on social media? <laughs> so I, pe- I picture you did not concept. get a, you did not get a statue of her, did you? You got a statue of yourself, did did you? Like oh you gosh. had the ring in his hand. <laughs> How awesome would that be? <laughs> Tom with his mighty beard and his like Herculean body. <laughs> Oh my gosh. My beard would be a lot longer and you know I would be out there with like a bodybuilder body like <laughs> kneeling down as as nature animals surround me bowing. <laughs> Somebody needs to draw that for you for Christmas. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be the best Christmas present that would ever? Be the best present for Tom ever. Um, yeah so Alicia's disgusted by this display and she leaves right because she said it was too much yeah she he took this beautiful memory and he did what he does I think is what she even says you I think she called it a lack of restraint right she called it a lack of restraint and that's absolutely what it was yes she leaves upset she tells her parents I'm going out when I come back, he has to be gone. He can't stay here anymore. So she leaves the house in a huff. So Drew is upset. He knows he messed up. But Missy calls at this point. She loved the bracelet. And when his assistant informed her he was spending Christmas with his family, she decided to fly in with her family. And uh... Well, she had already left. She had already found out from his secretary, which earlier in the show, we find out the therapist's secretary had leaked information. He's like, you should fire her. And then his secretary, the same thing, tells his girlfriend where he is. And she and her family are on their way, unannounced and uninvited. So they show up. They, they are literally outside before Drew can come up with an excuse why he shouldn't show up to his house. So he offers the Falcos an extra $75,000 if they'll play along for the evening, which they agree. And of course, the visit descends into chaos. It culminates with them all seeing Christine's glamour shots on a porn website on Brian's computer. Alicia comes back and the two of them get into this fight where it makes it seem like he had been making out with his sister. Much yep. to this. Uh, which the dad, which Missy's dad is perfectly okay with. I mean, all of this stuff is fine. He um, defends them, you know, because, you know, nothing like your son watch, nothing like a boy watching his mom do porn and a brother make out, talk about making out with his sister in the kitchen. You know, that definitely compares to uh an unplanned pregnancy, right? But my favorite thing that goes wrong this evening is Duda. I just go start a <laughs> So his understudy, who is black, shows up to be Christine's mom. That was legitimately funny when he when Black Duda walked in. That made me laugh. Uh, yeah, and then he starts creeping on mom the whole. <laughs> Yeah, time. and James Gandolfini gets upset. Like I think he likes her creeping. But anyway, Missy's family leaves in an outrage once they see these naked photos of Missy and her mom leaving an outrage. 
dad's still okay with everything that's going on. And Drew well, dad is just like, you know, you're such a Merry hypocrite Christmas. wife. Yeah. You're just such a hypocrite wife. You got pregnant and forced me to marry you. Yeah, which you right. said in front of everyone. And right. Missy's and like, what? Oh, no, you were just a preemie. Come on. And then the dad's like, I'm sorry, Missy. And then they walk out. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like, you know, ruining your child's, ruining, ruining this person you raise as your child's entire worldview um, to try to somehow make, you know, an unplanned pregnancy outside of a marriage comparable to incest. I am sorry. There are some things that are taboo and anybody with a sibling knows even the thought of this is way too disgusting to be justified by anybody. So Alicia's mm, Chris, mm, Missy is horrified by all of this. <laughs> and she's third, like, third tries a charm. <laughs> she's like, let's just go to Fiji. Let's forget spending Christmas with their families. And Drew breaks up with her. It's like, just go. And she Again, does. she still wants to be with him after he made out with his sister and admitted it to everybody. Yeah, she really says she's going to keep the bracelet. How much are those bracelets? Does anybody know how much a Cartier bracelet is? I mean, Cartier's goes to get. It is? I don't know anything. From a retail perspective during this time period, sure. Whoa! What? Sorry. We're talking like 20, 30 grand for a bracelet. There's a reason it won her over. Oh, here's another one that's 95 grand, y'all. $115,000 for something that goes on your arm? I mean, he's that's dropping $250,000 on a family for a few days. Who hasn't done that, though? After everything falls apart, Alicia finally draws the truth about Drew's family out from him. That his father left when he was, what, like four or five? And it was just his <laughs> mother who would give him a stack of pancakes until he was 18 years old every Christmas morning. And she died when he was away in college. So Drew goes home, and Tom shows up at his apartment to collect the money. He's impressed by the apartment. Well, they have this discussion, and he, he, he's afraid Tom is going to hurt him. Once Tom says he's not, he's like, you owe me some money. He's like, come in, I'll grab my checkbook. He's like, you paid all this money to have Christmas at my house when you could have been here. And then Ben Affleck chuckles. He says, what's so funny? He's like, I'm paying you $350,000 to spend to be with your family and you're throwing it away. And that's where we see this Linus moment for James Gandolfini. As awful as this movie is, we see a true Linus moment here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, they find out they both sell their tickets to Duda's play, A Christmas right. Carol, which is where the rest of the family went. So they decide to go and meet up with the rest of the family at the play. And they do. Duda's, like scene. Duda's playing Scrooge on stage. And Tom finds his wife in the audience, and uh, they decide not to divorce. He said he'd be lost. He doesn't know what he would do if he left her. So she says, don't leave, and the two of them hold hands. And it's a sweet little moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, Drew helps Brian get a date with this Asian teenage girl, because he knows, well, (laughs) (laughs) he was watching a certain type of, he was doing a certain type of studying on the computer earlier, so he knows it's his type. And then uh, (laughs) Drew goes outside, when he finds Alicia sitting alone in the snow. And it's a very pretty scene outside this little town hall with the snow and the Christmas lights around. And uh, they make up and he's, <laughs> she asks him if he's paying any family. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a girlfriend and their family, right? When they're oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and her dad, again, is perfectly cool with incest. Far Whoa. too cavalier about brothers and sisters getting along. <laughs> Well, so yeah, so first they make up and there's this flirty moment where she asks if he's already paying a family for New Year's. Right. And he says, not yet, but he's shopping around and she said, 
but he's looking for somebody and he describes her like this beautiful, smart, intelligent, funny girl who he could see himself falling in love with. Mm -hmm. And she says, Um, he better, you missed a perfect opportunity. First they make up, then they make out. See? They they make out, and that's when Missy's <laughs> family drives by and uh, <laughs> makes a comment about, "Oh my God, he's making out with his sister!" And um, they drive away. They speed away, horrified. And then we get this silent scene at the diner where they're having a family dinner, eating stacks of pancakes, which is very nice. And then we pan out, and it ends. Thank goodness for that. I really like this movie. I thought it was sweeter than Christmas at the Cranks and Deck the Halls. The whole scenery is very Christmassy. It looked very Christmassy. Yes, the movie. And the music. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just whatever the plot. I do think the premise is a good premise. I don't know. This, do. this, movie, this movie seems like it was written like one of these days that you take your child to work and you have a teenager <laughs> and they let them write it and then they messed up the script so they went with this crap. Honestly, I think Alonzo Duralde yeah. commented on Facebook. He said, what did he say? He said, thoughts and prayers, although I think this does start as a fun, dark comedy, and then you can almost tell the precise moment where the studio night notes and failure of nerve kick in, which I think is an interesting take. I, I think it could have been a lot of a, a much more darker comedy rather than this silly comedy it went. But Yeah, they definitely didn't succeed in, in it being a dark comedy. But when you look at the, when you take a step back and look at the premise, could I feel be. like they intended it to be a dark comedy. Sure. And just oh yeah, I think they out. absolutely intended it. And I don't know who to blame that on. But like Tom said, it did have a genuine Linus moment there at the end with James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. And Drew has one too, right there at the end too. I think both men do. Do you have any favorite quotes? Yes. And I yes. wrote, wrote it down right here so I don't forget. It's towards the beginning of the movie when Christina Applegate, I forgot her name in the movie. She says, I'm not going to be a good sport about this. And her mother's like, oh, honey, we never expected you to be. And she was like, (laughs) (laughs) I liked the scene at the end that made you laugh very hard, Manny. And that's when they pull up (laughs) them making amnesty. He's like, Daddy, stop the car. Oh my God. And her mom's like, Oh my God. He's kissing his sister. That is open mouth. And the dad's like, Tis the season to be jolly, honey. Oh God, get us out of here. Maybe they're trying to keep warm. Come on, let's get out of here. Come on. (laughs) Tom is unamused. He doesn't like the incest. (laughs) I just feel like it's gross, y'all. It's just nasty. When they're bossing Brian around, like kicking him out of a room, then kicking him out of the living room. When he says, when I become a serial killer, don't act surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like the scene. So Duda walks in on Brian in his room studying, and he sits down beside him, and they click on a website called Middle-Aged Hotties, and Duda's like, now you're talking my language, old enough to know how it's done and young enough to still want to do it. <laughs> that was gross to me. Another scene about Brian, when he finds out that they're splitting, that she's putting in his laundry in his drawers and he puts a bra in there. And he's like, you okay? She's like, yeah. He's like, really? Because you just put a bra in Brian's drawer. She's like, that's your brother. He's 15. He likes to experiment. We still love him. <laughs> I like what Tom and Christine are talking about the computer. And he's like, I told you we shouldn't put the computer up in his room. He's going to spend all this time in there. Oh, Tom, welcome to the future, dear. He's advancing his skills. One day that computer is going to get our baby a good job. Trust me, what he's doing up there, nobody's going to pay him for. Because if they did, I'd have retired at 17. Or when he gets kicked out of his room. He's like, but I have to uh, study. And his dad's like, use your imagination. <laughs> cringeworthy. Just cringeworthy. All right. So we established the Christmas movie had a Linus moment. Mm-hmm. Manny, guess first. On a scale of 1 to 10, my friend, what would you give this? How would you let me rate this movie? Zero. Just zero. Uh, I'm going to give it a one. There were a few teeny tiny moments of lightness. 
there were some moments I really liked James Gandolfini as a husband fighting for his marriage a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And Catherine O'Hara in her in her worst role is still funny to me in moments as well. And same thing with Christine Applegate. So won't watch it again, but it's not a flat out zero to me. Half a point. And I will not watch it again. And I mean it this time. (laughs) (laughs) You paid your dues. Is a half a point for the sweet moment, Tom, at the end? The Linus moment? Uh, I think half a point is for uh, Christine Applegate's acting. She did. I like her character was the closest thing to something I would like. She's only like seven years younger than her father in this movie. Oh, that's creepy. Really? Wow. He looks old and she looks young. I mean, weight does that to people, right? I think he was one of those, I think, that has never looked young, ever. I mean, it's like, a, it's like on Supernatural, Jeffrey D. Morgan plays their, his, their father, and he's only like five years older than that. Right. So, so I did like this better than Christmas at the Cranks. So I'm giving it a 6.25. Wow. What? That's high, man. A-dog. So that gives us an average of 2.583. And that's still too high. (laughs) (laughs) And that puts it in tier five. (laughs) Hallelujah. Holy. Where's the Tylenol? And that puts it at number 76 on this list. Between Fred Claus and the original Black Christmas. Woof. That's a bad one. Woof is right. Hey, y'all. We got a review this week. What? Do we really? That's exciting. Uh, On my birthday. So happy birthday to me. This is from Wilco FM in Australia. And Wilco said, check full of cheer. I love this podcast, exclamation point. Julia, Tom, and Anthony do an excellent job in keeping the Christmas cheer alive year round. Longtime fan from Australia, keep up the great work. Thank you, Wilco. Thanks, Wilco. What a fun name that is, too. Wilco. That was way better than the cow poop birthday present I got. One of of my gifts from from Ellie and Christine was a uh, Christmas tree that you plant yourself, and the bucket it grows in is made of cow manure. And I'm like, wow, Christine, you literally gave me a bowl of (laughs) for my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) So we did have a question of the week, y'all. We did, and I thought about it, and I reminded Julia about it. (laughs) <laughs> yes you did you did it, one of us has to keep this crew on task i mean seriously <laughs> the question was which director who has not yet done a christmas movie would you like to see do a christmas movie and why so guess first manny who would you pick let's go big budgets let's go with the russos oh, you stole mine that, that is literally mine no, too that so is is an is a is a hit right out of the park they yeah, can man. do comedy and action. So I've pictured them doing some kind of awesome Santa film. Oh, I would watch that. I have a new idea for a Christmas movie, by the way, at the end of this. Santa Tom, Baby. What's it about, Tom? Lord. It's a Benjamin Button Santa story. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally about a Santa baby. How terrible oh is that? <laughs> Oh my uh, god. I had, a, I had a dream about this when I was working on writing our uh, when I was working on writing our Christmas story, which is coming along and I was sitting there thinking I'm I'm like you know, in my dream at my desk coming up with plots and I I built this whole plot about a Santa baby movie and I don't remember the whole movie, but it's one of those things in your dream that like, you're like, That's a great idea and you wake up and you're like, What? I, I have some serious problems with something I ate for dinner last night. <laughs> So, Tom, who would direct this movie of yours? 
<laughs> I have no idea. Come back to me because I've got to. I, I need to rethink one of my answers now that we heard the the Russos. So Julia, who would you pick? Uh, it was not specified that the person had to still be alive, so I would pay good monies for a Hitchcock Christmas movie, which at this Ooh, point would be that would be really awesome. Somebody to do a Hitchcock like movie. There are people <sighs> out here that could do it. Would they call it Santa Baby? I would hope not. I don't want to say it. <laughs> Scary many about us. Since Manny stole mine, I'm going to say David Fincher. No freaking way. Yeah. I was just so thinking, like, talk about a, yes, a gritty, dark Christmas movie. Like, <laughs> that's what it would be. I guess if we're thinking something that, that could be encompassing of a lot of things and could be really off the wall, I'm going to say Edgar Wright. Oh, he'd be really interesting. I would pay money to see. Now, whether I'm going to like it or not is a completely different different story. But, you know, it, it's kind of hard when you, a lot of these that we think of, we, we come back to the same people. We all agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, everybody wants to see a Wes Anderson Christmas movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody wants to see a Roman Polanski movie. Nobody wants to see a, a Clint Eastwood Christmas movie. If Clint Eastwood is playing a Santa Claus hunting down Krampus, <laughs> sign me up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Get off my pole. <laughs> so we the have... other one I was thinking, what's the guy's name? Tamir... Tamir guy, you know what I'm talking about? Oh. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Santa could go hunting down like oh. Nazi Krampus. Like a Watiti. I'd love to see a Christmas movie that he does. Oh, I dude. would watch that. I would too. I would uh, too. He's got imagination. Timur Beckman Batov. That guy. He's like, yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I mean, I think it'd be kind of fun to see an over the top, like Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter movie starring Santa mm-hmm. Claus. So we have a question of the week for this week. Submitted by our friend, Mr. Gary Blauman. Why do you think blockbuster Christmas movies have not really been the norm as of late? We tend to get so many new Christmas movies, but they tend to remain as Hallmark Lifetime Netflix movies. It feels like we have not had a really good blockbuster level Christmas movie in years. Christmas Chronicles and Noel could have landed in those realms, but never did. I suppose we are all still waiting the Home Alone reboot, but outside of that, it seems like it's a dying genre in terms of mainstream Hollywood. And this yeah. conversation went on in Discord about how there hasn't really been a big theatrical Christmas film that became iconic since Elf in 2003. Since, and we're talking like, that's 17 years, y'all. And before that, it was what? Home Alone? Probably 91? No, The Santa Claus and Miracle on 34th Street in 94. Oh, yeah, I guess so. We had those. Those were those were later. Those were later. But still, that, was, that wasn't that was nearly as long, you know? We've gone a long time waiting for this. And I agree. I think that's one of my... That's one of my... my Biggest pet, biggest frustrations about both Noel and Christmas Chronicles. If they had put the money behind it and made them big budget movies, theatrical release movies, I think they both could have been. They both had the potential to be iconic movies. Absolutely, not to mention both Anthony would have liked more because the effects would have been ironed out. Still looking at those elves, Christmas Chronicles. Still I mean, looking at those Alvin and the Chipmunk like elves. Even though they straight ripped off. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, that scene with Noelle doing sign language with that girl and not knowing she's doing it, and that's how she comes in to like realize who she is. That would be one of those, if this were one of the big budget movies, that'd be one of those scenes people would be talking about 30 years from now. But because it was released on Disney Plus and it was so low budget all the way around, nobody's going to remember it. So we'll watch, buddy. Wrote, I feel like because of streaming platforms such as Netflix, people don't really need to go and watch a movie because it's not special. So they can watch movies at home instead of traveling all the way to the cinema. So... Just a question for us to think about for next week. When they've got, there's 
COVID has, has, I think, probably changed that for us much more so as well. Well, I think you look at Mulan and then you look at Tenant. Tenant was released theatrically and made less than Mulan did on Disney Plus. So I think streaming that's services what the massive, are the way of the future. That's with a massive boycott trying to take down Mulan too. Yeah. So that's an interesting question that we can think about for next week. Yep. And Julia, where can people let us know their answers, who they'd like to see direct a Christmas movie, and why Christmas movies haven't been as big in theaters over the past two decades? Well, we are on various modes of social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit, Instagram. You can access any of these super easy by going to tisthepodcast.com backslash insert your social media here. So backslash Instagram, backslash Twitter, so on and so forth. Pick your poison wherever you like to interact. We are interacting there as well. If you really want to get the best of our community, I would probably say that Reddit and Facebook groups specifically is where most of our listeners like to chat. Um, And these questions come up regularly from our listeners, as you hear every week. Um, We have a small group of people that come up with amazing questions every week, and they're the first ones to post them and already start to contribute on the answers. So come out and chat with us. Um, Toss Christmas movie suggestions our way as well. I know I really like it when we hear from people of Christmas movies we maybe never heard of to add to the list. So you're welcome to do that as well and just come and engage. It's a really, really fun Christmas family. And the closer we get to Christmas, the tighter that family gets, I feel like. So we wanna we wanna meet you. Which speaking of, just so you know how seriously we take it, we do have somebody who messaged us about being a patron and suggesting a movie I've been trying to keep up off off of our list for over three years. Uh, Bad Santa looks like it's coming next year because of a patron. Um, what's a patron and how can people become a patron? They can give us as little as one dollar a month on patron.com which you can get to actually our site through tisthepodcast.com slash patron, where you get access to amazing bonus content that has just blown up this year. There is so much there and more coming, including a live watch for patrons in October that we're working out the logistics for. You definitely have four horror movie reviews in October. By the time you're listening to this, our Haunting of Hill House episode will have dropped, which is a good one. Which was a good one. We're recording something with Craig uh, of Weird Christmas for election day, if you don't want to pay attention to the real news that day and want to distract yourself. And we have Thanksgiving content and more stuff coming up. So lots of goodies for you if you're a patron. And if you're not a patron, now's the time to think about becoming one if you, you know, have a dollar a month to spare and love the show because lots of bonus episodes coming up. If you want to support the show in a free way, leave us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. And share our Facebook group. We really want to grow our family community more in the months leading up to Christmas. It's active as heck right now. And we want to become even more active. So next month, which is only a few days from now, kicks off Spooky Month. And we are finally, finally visiting the last Black Christmas iteration next week. With 2006's remake, Black Christmas. And the week after that, we have Ron Hogan, a.k.a. President Hot Dog, joining us for Rare Exports. Lots of fun stuff coming up this month. Do you know what else is fun? There are only 2,136 hours until Christmas. That is only 89 days. 12 weeks. 
three months. Holy cow. Crazy. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. Annie, (laughs) thank you for joining us. Do you want to tell listeners how they can find your podcast? They could find us at fcmnpodcast.com. Feliz Christmas, Merry Navidad. Or at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at FCMN Podcast. And listeners, check it out because it's an awesome show. And on that note, y'all, do your homework and we'll speak to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye, y'all. Adios. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Baby